Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I wanted to bring you a special presentation of Next Level Masterminds webinar that we did a couple of weeks ago about how top investors are changing today to prepare for tomorrow. Um, this was right when the COVID-19 pandemic kind of was taking off and was becoming more of a reality of a, a changing situation as a society. So on this call, we have myself, Cassie DeHaas, Jamie Woolley, Ryan Robeson, all from Next Level Mastermind. And our special guests were Steve Trang, Don Costa, Evo Dragunov, Ryan Roddy Garcilazzo, and Alex Pardo. Hope you enjoyed this and get some value, and we'll talk to you guys next week. To kick this off, thank you everybody, first and foremost. I know right now there's a lot going on like with family, business, um, just everything that's going on in the world. And I really appreciate you guys all taking you know time out to join this call um, and try to kind of bring our community together. Um, you know, we, I think all of us on this call for sure are abundant mindset before anything. And um, I know the Phoenix crew leads by example on that. I think everybody tries to follow there, but um, I, I really just appreciate this. And I know a lot of people in times like this feel alone, especially entrepreneurs, um, you know, personally on a personal level, my husband's going through a lot with his business. And so I just know that different things can affect us all differently. And I think for us to have, you know, um, different people in the group that have different types of businesses, have been in business a year, 10 years, whatever that looks like. Um, I just wanted to say thanks first and foremost for taking the time in. I really appreciate you all for being on this call. Appreciate you having My pleasure, having thanks. Us. Thank you for right. putting this together. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. What I want to do is, um, in a perfect world, I would like this call just to be basically kind of a roundtable to where we're all just sitting and talking shop. Um, I know all of us have been a part of a mastermind at some point or are or have one. And, you know, the best part of masterminds, in my opinion, is, you know, the dinner after or the breaks in between um, or when somebody's giving their presentation and we should all be listening, but there's 10 people circled in the hall. So kind of that shop talk is my absolute favorite. I could do it forever and hours and hours. So I really would just like us all to kind of, you know, shop talk, like we're sitting at the table having a beer and um, we are going to take some questions, but you know, if those questions lead into kind of our conversation, um, I know I listened to Tim Broch yesterday and he spoke for an hour and a half just on this issue. So I'm assuming with eight of us as panelists, there's going to be a lot of information that we're going to talk about. And if there's a question that comes up that we can kind of throw in the mix, that's awesome. Uh, but that's kind of how I would like this to go. And for you guys that are listening to this call, I hope that that will be helpful for you. I always, when I first started and even now, would love to just be that fly on the wall and listen to everybody. So I think that's what we're going to try to do is just, you know, let you guys be the fly on the wall and listen to us have just a normal conversation like we would anytime. Um, so that, that's kind of just to preface and give you kind of an expectation of what this call will be. Uh, we plan on it being an hour. I know a few of you guys have to jet like right after an hour and a half or so, and that's fine. If it ends up going a little bit longer and a few people want to stay on, awesome. If you have to go, totally understand. But this recording will be available after as well. 
Um, so I just kind of want to introduce everybody and just give like a quick uh, rundown and bio of who's on the call right now and kind of a little bit about them. So I'll uh, go over that quickly and then we can kind of get started. Um, so I don't forget, I did write it down, so I'm going to look up and kind of, you know, let you guys know. Uh, we have Ryan Roddy Garcilazo, which I hope I pronounced that right. Um, he is kind of the uh, contractor in the group. So he's the one that is literally doing, you know, all of the contracting stuff. He actually helps teach that, but he's basically a consultant and a trainer for the contracting part of our business business, the flipping side with the systems and processes. He has been in construction, you guys, since he was a teenager, basically. So he owns the Rehab Depot. I'm sure you've seen his classes or his trainings or his YouTube videos. He's always putting out massive value and content. I know I personally have learned a lot from him. So we're um, really excited that he's on the call. Um, he does that across the country and he does personal consulting boot camps and has his academy trainings. Um, we've also got Evo Dragunov on the call as well. Evo's been in real estate since 08, and he's done 3,000-plus municipal construction contracts, over 200-plus fix and flips, 300-plus wholesales, and uh, he's a co-partner in 49 manufactured housing build-out, 64-unit multifamily new construction, and 24 new build single-family houses, and also the co-owner of Batch with Jesse and Annie, which are two of my favorites as well. Um, and he also has a little angel in the oven on the way, so just putting that out there, if y'all could maybe thoughts and prayers that everything is goes beautifully well on that end of it. Um, we also have Don Costa, uh, who is husband, father, real estate investor. I think it's pretty cool that we've got Don on because I know that Don did go through the crash. Mm -hmm. And not only did he go through the crash, but he literally lost it all. I've heard his story multiple times and he's very vulnerable and honest about his story. And it, it was a rough moment for Don. And to see someone lose everything and come back with flying colors the way that he has, I think is... Um, a huge benefit for all of us to get to see the flip side of that and um, he learned a lot from it and I think he's going to be able to bring us a lot of valuable information on how, how that transpired and what he's done differently. I, I don't believe that this is exactly like OA. I don't think anybody knows anything for sure. We can speculate, we can have our opinions. But I don't think this is an 08 real estate crash. Um, it's very different. I don't think anybody can say I've been through this exactly. But he, he's been through something similar. So it will be really good to hear from Don on that level. He also hosts the Flip Talk podcast, which you guys can see. He's got the cool microphone and uh, the Flip Talk and the logo and all of that fun stuff. So that's a great podcast. Um, I, one of the first that I ever listened to was, was Don's. Um, and then he also has a mastermind, which is called Inner Circle Elite. And you guys can check that out, too, at uh, beinthisroom.com. We also have Steve Train, who is the founder of the Real Estate Disruptors Movement. Um, some personal information about Steve that you guys must know is he loves hugs. I'm just saying. Like, so, no, Steve loves hugs. <laughs> just kidding. He actually doesn't. Um, he has a really cool podcast, the Real Estate Disruptors. Um, I was fortunate to uh, fly in Phoenix and, and be on that podcast. I think what Steve is doing with the, the real estate disruptors and the Phoenix crew, I think if we're all very honest, that we all envy that. I mean, the way that they all come together and help one another out, there is no competition. It is all collaboration. I think we can all learn something from uh, what Steve has 
created and everyone in you know Steve's office. He goes in there, Jesse, uh, Brent Daniels, I mean, quite a few people, and all very good friends of mine. So uh, the podcast, The Real Estate Disruptors, um, has over 10,000 followers and new members. Also created the Offer Fast Homes app, which helps sellers by putting buyers in front of them quickly. You know, when you're a new wholesaler, it's hard to find buyers. So he tried to kind of make that, uh, you know, accessible and easier for new wholesalers coming into the mix. Um, he has sales training and he trains some of the, the top wholesalers in the country. He has a legacy that he wants to create 100 millionaires. I don't know if you guys have seen, but he's giving away these little, I think they're like clear glass. It's like millionaire number. I don't know. I think he's giving away three or four at this point, but um, what a cool legacy. So far. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's a super cool like legacy to be able to say that you or you were a part of creating, you know, 100 millionaires and that's his goal and I have no doubt that, you know, he will obtain that. And he also has a brokerage, Stunning Homes Realty, which has over 100 agents and um, about 1% of the market share. So basically one in every 145 homes that sold is sold by Stunning Homes Realty, which is pretty freaking cool in my opinion. <laughs> um, then we've got Alex Pardo. So... He's a family man first. He's married to Natalie and has two beautiful girls, Ariana and Alicia. Did I say that right, Alex? Close, Alessia. Close enough. Alessia. Okay, well, I'm, I'm trying here. With my twang, Alessia, does that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, he worked in corporate America at GE Capital for a few years before starting his entrepreneurial journey in 05. And he has closed somewhere north of 600 deals. His main niche is wholesaling in the South Florida market and building a free and clear rental portfolio in Cleveland, Ohio. He is the host of the Flip Empire Show, which is another podcast I also listened to, which was launched in 2016. He's got almost 400 episodes and the co-founder and coach with Send, which is a masterminding coaching pro uh, program for entrepreneurs who want a better life and business. So kind of that life and business balance. And he is the co-founder of Holiday Mastermind, which is really cool. Um, 100% of the net proceeds go to charity. So I, I love when, you know, I see us giving back and things like that. So all really cool stuff. Um, so that's, that's the panelists today. Um, if you already knew them or didn't know them, I just kind of wanted to give you a brief background of, you know, who's talking uh, so you can kind of understand uh, what they've been through. And, and these aren't gurus. These are doers. These are people that are actually doing this business day to day and have learned so much and have so much to offer for us. If you're just now joining or if you didn't catch something I said earlier, I will um, have this recorded for everybody to go back and then i've got all of your emails from when you registered i'll send a follow-up email and just kind of give you um the panelists and a way to contact them their social media stuff like that in case you want to uh subscribe to their podcast or follow them or whatever um that would be awesome so hey, Jamie, yeah sorry i just wanted to add and i'm sure i speak for all the panelists really really appreciate you ron rj the entire next level family for putting this together now more than ever and I'm sure we're this. there's so much uncertainty and there's a lot of fear out there. I truly believe we need to be leading from not fear. So I appreciate you guys stepping up as leaders, putting this together and, uh, and for everything you guys are doing as an online mastermind. I mean, it's incredible to see how much value and how much activity is in that Facebook group. So really appreciate you guys having sure everyone else feels the same way. I agree 100%.
Thank you. I appreciate it. We're, we're trying to do kind of that a disrupting movement and trying to take masterminds are great. I've been in three. I love them all. And I've got the best connections from all of the masterminds. Um, but I think especially now, as we can see, having something online, no matter what's going on in the world or your financial status or your family or you're having a baby or whatever it is, and you may not be able to get to that mastermind. Like we can do it any day. I was on ours at two o'clock last a.m., two in the morning, like just looking at some things, just trying to get ideas about how I can pivot and change. And so thank you for saying that, Alex. It really is a passion of mine as a mom, to be quite honest with you. Um, I was traveling a lot, speaking, going to mastermind events. And then, you know, my daughter's like, well, when are we traveling? Well, between my husband traveling and me traveling. And it's like, well, and it wasn't fair to her to put that on the back burner, but yet I desire, and I think all entrepreneurs, you know, we're strong and we're independent, but we don't want to feel alone, especially times like this. We want to bounce things off one another. So that is the platform we're trying to create. And, and also that work-life balance, because my family is so important to me. It's everything. It's the reason I do this. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, okay, so go ahead and getting started here. I don't really want to throw anything out um, as far as like an exact topic. I don't know if anybody wants to kind of kick it off with what their thoughts are with what's going on right now and maybe what you're doing, each of you, in your own businesses to um, you know, kind of adapt with the unknown because it is the unknown and it's changing day by day at this point. So I would love to just kind of kick it off and start, you know, kind of going down the list and see what you guys are doing um, to, to adapt and how you're communicating that as well to your team. Because I think communication is so key right now with everybody fearful or unknown. And um, I think that that's kind of top of mind is how you're communicating it and what you might be doing. Um, Ryan, you happen to be on. Roddy, you happen to be on camera, so you want to kick it off for us? Yeah, no problem. Am I supposed to be on camera? I, I, I don't know. I see you. <laughs> no, I see no everybody, but it's you're all, big. It's all, it's all the same, right? No, you know, for us, um, being in the contracting side of things, uh, being on the training and the consulting side of things, I've been fielding calls nonstop since, I would say, a week ago, since the first time the president went on. And it's the fear. It's the anxiety that everybody's like, oh, should I fix some flip? What am I going to do? I have rehabs open and... You know, it's the same, I guess for me, it's the same statement that I tell everybody is if you weren't really good at rehabbing then, you're not going to be very good at it now. So, you know, you really got to get lean. I mean, that's the fact. You have to get construction lean. Besides being a company and being lean as a company with your own employees and, 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 and costs and, and profits, there's so many things you need to do in construction as well that's no different. So for us, you know, we're looking at possibly re-entering the construction uh, market on a heavy dose. You know, in 08, 09 for us, we worked with all the hedge funds. We were doing probably 20 flips a month for every hedge fund at the time, American Homes for Rent, Waypoint, all those. Have. And we realized early on that their model was good, but at the end of the day, they're just buying properties as they can. And that's going to happen probably more likely again. So it's going to be a nice rental market again. So you're going to have smaller construction projects that are going to have to go on. So at some level, you might, you might want to start looking at the hotel aspect. How can I be as lean on my rehab as possible? You know, you don't want to go after these big ones, in my opinion. You're not going to have enough contractors to do so. You know, construction is going to get impacted, but construction has been notoriously slow uh, in catching up to economic problems. So, for example, one of the big things that I've been going live on and sharing with investors across the country every single day is that technology now is going to be your friend. Because as of right now, 62% of all contracts still use manual uh, ways of transferring data from the office to the field. 
Well, if you're an investment company that does heavy rehabs, uh, and, and by heavy, it could be anything. I'm just saying if you're consistently doing rehabs on a monthly basis, looking at the technology you have, it's going virtual because these individuals are going to get sick, right? And they're going to probably get quarantined. And cities and municipalities are going to close down, which means inspections are going to shut down for a while. So there's going to be different impacts that are going to happen to the industry indirectly. Um, and that's where that virtual reality really comes in, um, being able to have technology that speaks to the, from the office to the field and vice versa. Um, so it's, has it impacted my business per se? Not yet. Um, it's kind of helping us reroute a direction we want to go, of course. Uh, you know, we saw that opportunity to help investors years ago when, you know, contractors were completely taking advantage of everybody across the board, and they still are. But the reality is we may have to get back in uh, from a construction management point of view. You know, we're working with, and they, they might even be on this call, but we're working with uh, investors across the country, and we're assuming control of their construction divisions virtually to ensure that I can monitor what's happening because I have the technology for that. So I can watch when they're, when they're communicating with their field. I can see what their project managers are doing. I can jump in and say, uh-uh, that's not right. Let's fix that, you know, review that, revise that. The numbers are inaccurate. So there's a lot of things we have to do on our end to try to jump back in to the actual work versus kind of mediating it and saying, if I were you, pay attention to this and this, one plus one is two, it's not three. Uh, so yeah, so we're, we're, we're making our adjustments as well, but we're not as concerned on our end. We're just trying to make sure, are we getting back in? Or are we going to kind of stay back out? But I think it's going to be 50-50 for us moving forward. Okay. So, Jamie, I, I would love to jump in and, and kind of share a little bit of what we're, we're doing. Um, obviously, we're, we're newer into this business in comparison to some of the people on the panel. Uh, we've been doing this full-time since uh, January 1 of 2015. And, and we've been blessed to be able to accumulate quite a bit of rental properties. We had quite a bit of inventory as far as flips going on. Uh, but we started off as wholesaling. And Cassie and I actually made the decision um, several months ago um, that we wanted to cut bait and, and sell all of our inventory to liquidate as much as possible. Um, I was trying to be ahead of the curve um, from some of the masterminds that I attended and I'm gonna go all the way back to the first one that I ever attended, which was Don Costa's back in 2017. Um, I, was, I was blessed to sit in a room with about 17 other people in Fresno, California. And, and I remember my biggest question then was, is hey, I'm ignorant to what a recession would look like. Like I'm blessed to come in in one of the hottest real estate markets ever. And, and I'm fearful of the fact that I become so arrogant that I don't pay attention to what could happen when things change. So I asked people like Don and other people in that room that had gone through the recession of 08 and 09 of what that looked like. And I remember Don told me he wished he was more liquid when that had hit. That was his biggest concern. And so that's the decision that we made several months ago. We started selling off rental properties to try to have as much cash as possible um we're even ramping that up now um any flips that we have on the market we're doing price drops where we know that the comps are still saying that they can sell but i don't want anything sitting on the market um, trying to get top of market value so um, i've seen several comments on here already about hey the market's still moving and it's still flowing and i agree with that um, we had several properties that we listed last week that immediately got full price offers in the first day that they went on the market so for us personally, that's a decision that we've made is try to become as liquid as possible. 
because this is unprecedented times. We don't really know how this is going to impact us in the long haul. Um, there's conversations about quarantines. There's talk about, you know, shutting everything down for two, three, six, eight weeks. Um, we don't know how that's going to play out. So those are just the decisions that we've made is try to become as liquid as possible and then just focus on what we originally were great at, which is wholesaling. So that's kind of the decision that we made. One other question that I saw was, are you making any changes to your staff? No, we, we have not changed any hours or paying anybody or anything like that. Status quo, that's really the only major change that we've made. Minus we're not going on appointments anymore. Everything is virtual. Yeah, Jamie. Oh, oh, go ahead, Don. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I think you guys all bring up really, really good points. One of the things that I'm really keeping top of mind is we have to keep the lines of communication extremely open. If anything, I think now is the time to over-communicate. When I say over-communicate, I'm talking about communicating with your staff, with your sellers, your buyers, your lenders, the title company, any vendor, anybody who's a key partner in your business, you need to over-communicate. Get a temperature on where they're at, how this is impacting their business. I think I've always been somebody who has led with kind of, I've kind of led with my heart, right? I don't hard close, I hard close, you know? So when I talk to people, I'm genuinely how I can add value, how I can be a service to their business. Um, and I think now's the time to over communicate. There's a lot of fear out there. Um, so with my staff, when I communicate with them, I want them to borrow my confidence. I want them to borrow my faith. And I'm very upfront with them that, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what this is going to do to our business. Know what things look like. I'm doing my best to stay out in front of it, which is why be a part of this. Um, but the truth is, is that I don't want to. I want to validate how they fear, how they feel. You know, and a lot of people are scared out there. Um, I think Ryan brings up a really good point about liquidity and getting lean. You know, one of the exercises that I recently went through is I went through my P and L, and kind of the profit first exercise. I put a P next to any expense that is directly tied to the bottom line. I put an R next to any expense that can be replaced with a cheaper alternative. And I put a U next to anything that can be just completely removed or it's unnecessary. Um, and I shaved several thousand you know, dollars in monthly expenses. So get lean, not just on the, on the business side, on the personal side. We all have software subscriptions and different things like that, that we're like, oh, one day I'll get to it. Now's the time to, to shave and get rid of that stuff. Um, and then liquid, you know, if you're well capitalized and if you've been positioning yourself and your business for this moment, communicate with wholesalers out there, communicate with people, let them know you're well capitalized and that you can be a partner for them if they're not able to take a deal to them. Um, if you're not liquid, maybe now's the time to start reaching out to potential joint venture marketing partners, uh, potentially even looking at lines of credits. If you got rental properties, you get a line of credit. Um, there's business, unsecured business lines of credit out there. So try to get your hands on some capital because in this uncertain economy, um, having cash is king. You know, they, they always say cash is king. Now having cash is really king. Yeah. No. Go, Go ahead, Don. <laughs> 2000, 2008, I just want to, I want to throw out on there, you know, because we're, we're talking about a lot of things that are going to be different from 2008 and this. So 2008, um, I was in the market and I was arrogant. I share that story. I thought it was never going to end. And I see a lot of that conversation right now about how the market's great and everything. Um, in 2008, the differences were, um, you know, that we had a lot of really loose lending. Like people were utilizing the equity and properties that they owned to fund their lifestyle. And there was some fraud going on. There were people owning multiple properties with nobody in them. There was a lot of really crazy stuff going on. And when, when that stopped, it all fell apart. It hurt the economy, right? It hurt the economy in a big way. But 
But the difference is, is businesses still were operating, maybe not at the same capacity, maybe not with the same income. I had opened a restaurant and nightclub right at the beginning of 2008. And I had enough business to keep myself bleeding, but alive. Okay. Right now in California, we're, we're in shelter in place in a lot of counties. My city shelter in place. Bars, restaurants, nightclubs are closed. In Vegas, casinos are closed. That's an epic economic impact that hasn't filtered out yet that is unprecedented, unlike anything we saw in 2008. And so I'm of the belief that you go through, like Alex said, you cut all unnecessary expenses, you get lean. I've actually went down to necessary personnel. I've, I've, I've dropped a few people that were not necessary because right now everything looks good, but it's like musical chairs. And when, when it stops, you don't want to be the one left without a chair. And that's kind of, that's what happened to me in 2008. I thought it was never going to end. And then I didn't act accordingly and I didn't act quickly. And then when it stopped, they didn't have a chair. And so in this particular situation, I'm preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. I'm making every decision out of absolute necessity of what is important to my business and operation and home. I'm not making it from fear. I'm not making it from hope. I'm making it from fact. And I am just handling things as they come along day to day and the information that comes along day to day. I'm not betting the market. You know, I'm not listening to all the noise in the news. I'm not listening to what people are telling about how great their market is. I know in my hometown, everything has stopped. And that's going to have an economic impact at some point in your future. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, do you want to go? No, go ahead, Evo. Thank you. So for, from my perspective, you know, like, so I got into this, uh, into the real estate market, uh, really starting to understand it in 2008, uh, right when the market was actually crashing. So I bought my first house in, uh, I want to say like February of 2008, or maybe it was April of 2008. And, you know, I was just kind of riding the down wave. Uh, and, and, you know, fortunately for me, you know, we, we, we made money, we fixed and flipped the house, we made money. So I got to see a lot of these, a lot of like the panic that was happening as I was uh, kind of getting uh, getting used to real estate and understanding the market. Um, and, you know, like I, I was the person, you know, buying 20, you know, our house at, at the time, you know, 30, $40,000 selling it for 50,000, which is uh, obviously not possible at the moment. Uh, but I do see, you know, like, you know, we were in, uh, on a call with like Steve actually, uh, was it two days ago with a uh, different, with a different group of people and a lot of the consensus, you know, uh, just the general consensus of the people says, Hey, this, this looks more like 2000, 2001 market crash, uh, in terms of, instead of like a 2008. But again, like, I think with, with everybody else is saying like, we just don't know. I just literally opened my phone 10 minutes ago and just, uh, saw an article that the government's predicting this could last 18 months. My understanding of you know, two days ago or yesterday was that this is, you know, I was thinking this may last you know, anywhere from four to six months. It could be longer. I like, again, we don't know, but again, with uh, what RJ is saying and Don and Alex, uh, just get as lean as possible. We've been uh, trying to get as lean as possible in our wholesale company. Uh, we started with six acquisitions in 2000 or last year in June, we had six acquisitions. We're down to, we went down to one acquisition uh, and now we're, uh, we actually have two acquisitions at the moment. So we are as lean as possible and we've just been very conscious of, you know, are we adding a lot of expenses? Uh, an hour ago, uh, Annie, or actually last week, Annie started like going through all of our bank statements is, hey, this software, what is the software? Do we need this? Uh, same what, you know, Alex was saying, just get as lean as possible. Are we canceling something that we're not needing? Maybe something got forgotten, we're getting charged for it. Um, again, it, it all plays down into your bottom line and are you gonna be profitable or not? Um, because this may, you know, it, like what Don is saying, you're preparing for the, the best, but, you know, you can, it, it could be the, you know, 
you're preparing for the worst and expecting the best. So, you know, I, I talked to um, one of the guys from Vegas came here yesterday, uh, Casey Ryan, and he's like, so like with, with his, you know, he was, he bought, he over bought a lot of houses. Uh, and luckily for him, he has like the funds to sustain, you know, probably two years of market crash potentially. But, you know, the, it just depends where you got caught, when you got caught on on this uh, cycle, because nobody was expecting this at the end of the day. You know, even our thinking is we have right now 12 properties that were um, in the process of remodeling and fixing and flipping. So our thought was, hey, we want to kind of get out of the, we want to sell these properties before you know, June, July time, and obviously before the election season. But again, we just don't know what we don't know. Uh, but again, leaning, staying, staying lean as, as lean as possible um, is obviously going to play a huge role in this uh, market cycle. Uh, me personally, I feel, uh, and again, this is just my opinion. Uh, I obviously I think the market is going to take a huge, huge like uh, uh, short-term loss because of nobody's working. I mean, things are closed. You know, the economy and it's unprecedented. Like Don's saying, it's just we just don't know what the actual impact is going to be. I mean, the whole world's shutting down. So for the short term, in the next six months, I am expecting the market to potentially you know dip 20, 30 percent. Maybe not as, in terms of like actual prices for the houses. But I mean, people are not going to be buying like they were. Um, uh, Steve, uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm not sure who said it actually uh, on Tuesday. But in 2001, housing prices went up like 4.8%. But people for, for a certain period of time actually stopped buying houses. But the actual values went up. Now, could this be the case now? Possibly. Uh, because obviously there's a housing shortage currently with the new construction, uh, obviously like being slow. Um, again, I personally don't know either, but I am preparing for at least a four to six month uh, downtime. Yeah, I think just to, I think we're very lucky to be in the Phoenix market, right? Uh, I think in the Phoenix market, because a lot of people are moving here, uh, I, I'm not as worried in the Phoenix market as you know the rest of the country. I think, I can't remember who it was, uh, it was in Ohio, and he was saying like, everything closed, he knows hundreds of people that were laid off, you know? Uh, over here in Phoenix, lots of people are moving here. So I'm not really worried about the prices here, um, I could be overly optimistic. You know, I, I'm not sure that the stock market is going to directly impact our our housing uh, prices only because uh, people still need a place to live. You know, that's the one thing that's always been true. That's the reason why we all love real estate is that people always need a place to live, whether they're, they're buying or they're renting, they're going to have to have a place to live, right? So I'm not sure that we're going to necessarily see a translation, at least in the Phoenix market, uh, uh, of the, the, the economic impact affecting the, the home prices. Now, again, that could be overly optimistic. I think one of the things that uh, I'm doing a lot of is I'm doing a lot of outreach uh, to some of the leaders inside our brokerage, but also, you know, uh, I've got uh, uh, the number one loan officer in Arizona, right? I get to talk to her on a regular basis. Uh, the, the owner of the second largest title company, I get to talk to her, hey, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Um, I get to hang out with Jamil or call Jamil, we're not hanging out. You get to call Jamil, right? Biggest wholesaler in Phoenix. Hey, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? Um, and I think that this, what I've been able to do, fortunately, just for myself, right, uh, is, is, is get connected with all the top players. So I feel like I got a pretty good bead on what's going on and what's impacting anybody and everybody. And I, that's what I would encourage everybody right now um, is, is just gather some information, right? I think jumping on a call like this is, is really helpful. Uh, connecting with other people at your uh, production level and find out what's what's happening in their world is is really important more today than normally. 
Um, so just being connected, being well-informed, and well-informed is not watching the news. You know, monitor <laughs> the news, keep an eye on the news, but for the most part, they still get paid by selling fear, right? Uh, so I think just being well-informed well in your community, um, keep an eye, like, you know, I'm keeping an eye on the county recorder's office. I, every day, I'm just, I'm just checking, hey, is the recorder still open? In Phoenix, the answer is still yes. Uh, I think that's really big. Uh, so as long as the Fed doesn't shut down, we should be okay uh, in, in our market. Uh, and I want to address what Alex, uh, Don, and Igor mentioned earlier about being lean. So uh, since I started actively wholesaling, right? I've been wholesaling since 2012. Uh, in fact, I've talked to uh, Ryan Robinson a few times about you know what we were doing back in the day. Uh, but actively full-time wholesaling uh, since 2018. And my mission or my purpose from the beginning was to run lean. Because as an agent, you know, I've had the, the glory days, you know, getting the 12 for being one of the top producers. Uh, I think, uh, I can't remember which year it was, I was number 38 in the entire Phoenix market as far as realtor production. We consistently sold 100 houses a year. And all that was really cool, felt was great for the ego, but didn't do squat for the bank account. And so once we started wholesaling from, the, from day one, we ran a very profit first business model ran it lean. So one thing I like to brag about, we don't make the most amount of money, but we kept 45% of every dollar that came in. Or every dollar that came in, we get 45 cents. That's something that's been purposeful. And a time like this, when someone's like, well, what are you going to cut? Or looking at it, I don't know what there is to cut because we've been cutting from day one. Hey, Steve, do you mind if I uh, jump in on the question for you? So you and I yeah. both run i'm not a realtor but i own a brokerage that does 30 listings a month you have a big brokerage in town uh, you know i talk mm -hmm. you know brian cunningham my partner in that you know i talk to him yeah. on a daily basis what are you seeing and what's really interesting in our market and i'm curious if you see the same thing anything under five hundred thousand is still flying off the freaking shelf right now and any he said anything under 250 is like a cage fight like there's like five people fighting for the house right now so it, it, 30 offers, still, over asking price, waiving appraisal, absolutely. I'm very cautious on this call not to tell people, hey, everything's going well. Like I still think in April, everything still might shut down and everything might stop, right? And I'm preparing for that. Yeah. But are you seeing the same thing that we're seeing that some of these lower end buyers aren't taking it as seriously and they're still buying houses? So I, I have a theory on this. Um, you know, I think that Arizona is, it, although we've become a purple state, we're still pretty much a very conservative conservative leaning state. And I think that everyone's decisions right now is based off what they're consuming. And I think because if you're, uh, because we have a Republican president, right? This is true, it doesn't matter which, if it's a Democrat president, Republican president, because we have a Republican president, all the conservative news says everything's gonna be okay. And all the liberal news is gonna say everything, we're all gonna die in 30 days. And if it was a different president, right? If it was a, a, a Democrat president, MSNBC would be saying everything's fine. And then Fox News is like, oh my God, we're all gonna die. Like, that's just the way, you know, the media makes money off of fear. And so I think that right now with us being a redder purple state, that what we're consuming is that everything's going to be okay, right or wrong. That's what we're consuming. And I think that there's more of a less concern in our market due to that. I think just, you got to remember, I think, uh, so Don and I are in a different mastermind. And Don has mentioned a couple of times, like, it doesn't matter what we, what we think is what the herd thinks, right? And so what the herd right now is everything's gonna be fine, at least in Arizona. I I can't say what's, we're gonna be fine, we're not gonna be fine, but I'm more optimistic. I think 
than the news is in general. So, but I think that's the reason why in, in Arizona we're not as concerned. Now, that being said, I am hearing there are more cancellations during inspection periods than normal. So even though there's crazy uh, free-for-all, you know, it's a cage fight, it's WrestleMania uh, on the offers, I think that people are being more uh, uh, challenging or buyers are, are less committed after they got it. After they got the property, they might be canceling more in the inspection. So that's something to monitor. Something I hadn't thought of until just now, I, I'm refining, part of my strategy is to refinance and get lower interest rates on some of my loans. And my lender's telling me that they're being quoted 60 days to get a loan done, and it used to be 30. So buyers are gonna need more time as it is now because these lenders are so busy with refinances. Are you seeing any of that when you talk to your lenders? Oh yeah, uh, we were seeing that last week, right? I mean, the interest rates got so freaking low that everyone's refinancing. And so this, what happened, and this is actually what we had in our office meeting last week, was guys, be patient because lenders and title are both being slammed. Um, so I own a title company, right? And there were lots of complaints, like things are taking too long. Everyone's, everyone feels overwhelmed. And my answer was, they are overwhelmed. The amount of refinancing is just bonkers. And in fact, I wouldn't call this collusion, but it sounds a lot like collusion. Uh, a lot of the lenders are across the board raise their interest rates because they were too busy, right? You know, you talk about if you're too busy, raise your fees, raise your prices. Lenders as a whole, all raise their prices to reduce the number of refinances they were working on. Oh Just yeah, imagine no, who's saying no the business? Yeah, rates went up this week for sure. Hey, yeah, real, so real it's that collusion. They just all kind of agreed behind the scenes to raise their rates. Uh, real quick, I wanted to throw in there that you know you're talking about what's happening in the Phoenix market. Um, we've seen similar activities in other markets like Hawaii and Alaska where properties are still flying off the market in those affordable price ranges. So obviously Hawaii is a much higher price range. Um, we've had two, three properties in the past week that are ranging from 500 to $700,000 go full price. Uh, they're still wanting to close in 30 days. And what we're seeing is, is that yes, the lenders are backed up, but also if if the realtors are pushing and you're pushing along to try to schedule and you have an inspector that's in place and you have an appraiser that you regularly use and a lender that you regularly use, that these are still being able to be streamlined and closed within those 30 to 40 days that are pretty typical. Um, and that's all happened in the past week and a half to two weeks. We're still on track for those. Um, so to my, the reason why I bring that up is Hawaii is a, a very liberal state. Um, and we're still seeing that that affordable price range is still flying off the market. And I, I see that across the board, Hawaii, Alaska, here in Texas, other markets that we're in, we're still being able to move every, all of our inventory very easily. So um, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit on the optimistic side with you in that regard. I don't think we're feeling any effects yet. And I think, you know, we were even receiving offers where people were saying to our realtor, we need you to make a decision today because we need to get this loan done for this interest rate um, right now. If you don't wanna accept our offer today, we're gonna to go offer on another house. So buyers are now wanting to capitalize on these low interest rates that were there. So uh, just interesting how that's, that's kind of playing out in our, our marketplace mm -hmm. right now. Well, well, to kind of sum that up to Don's perspective, you know, what Don said is this market, is, this crash is different than, I think Evo addressed that too. What's different about the 08 crash is it was built on a faulty foundation. And you know, without getting too biblical for you, right? 
our economy is built on a very strong foundation right now. And as Steve said, there's this huge shortage in inventory in Phoenix and probably across the nation. That's what's different about this re potential recession. And I don't know where it's going to go. What are, what is everyone's thoughts on the idea that we have the strongest economy ever and we're going to take this huge hit for a couple of months and what happens on the, you know, as we come out of that. You know, let me, so in two, in, in like 1999, 2000, right in that ballpark is when the tech bubble crushed, crashed, you know, it popped and, and everybody lost a bunch of money in, in tech stock, right? And, and they dropped interest rates to historically low levels then, and it really fueled the housing market. <clears throat> and I, that's essentially what they tried to do here, right? I mean, they went out in front of it and dropped interest rates and to try to fuel the housing market. The issue that the reason why I'm, I'm probably overpreparing, people can call me crazy. And I'm not saying the sky is falling. I, I think this is a big nothing, right? I don't, I don't fear the virus. I'm business as usual personally, but again, it's the herd mentality. What is the herd doing? And where this is unprecedented is the, the global impact monetarily, right? You know, we have casinos closed, which, you know, affects, you know, workers and, and servers and, and everybody down to the street level. And where is that, how are those people going to be able to buy food or pay their utility bill or, you know, that kind of thing. We talk about the Fed doing bailouts, but the last time around the Fed did the bailout, how much of that actually trickled down to the street level, right? Not much of it. So most of that was on the institutional side. So that's where my hesitation is, is what's going to happen in three to six months from now when that economic impact really washes out across the world. So right now the market is hot. My point is absolutely take advantage of liquidating and moving inventory and anything that you can get in and out of real fast, do that, make your money, but don't get into a long-term project. Don't bet that it's going to stay that way forever. Get in, get your money, get out, liquidate any long-term project you're in now while the market's hot and just prepare for the worst. And if it continues and, and I'm wrong about that and it continues, then Hey, at least you're ready to take advantage of it continuing. If it drops, you're ready to take advantage of it dropping. I'm worried about the person who thinks, the market's hot and Phoenix is hot and Texas is hot and I'm going to buy a project that I'm going to be in six months, nine months or a year. You know, I'm not a very good flipper, since, but I'm going to still do this thing. And then the, suddenly the, the bottom falls out of this because of the economic impact and they're stuck. And that's, that's the point I want to make. You know, like, I don't want to be like the sky's falling today. Take advantage of it today. Just make sure you're in and out. And that's the point I want to make. Don, I, so I think to, to add on that point, um, I think that's a very valid point as far as like what, where we're, we're going to stay in three, six months. So while I do believe we're going to be fine on the real estate side, right. at the end of the day, as a flipper, you have to take into account that when you are ready to, uh, to get the house ready, even if the prices haven't dropped, it could take an extra two, three, four, five months to actually sell at the price you were expecting. As a lender or as a flipper, you're still, your holding costs have mm -hmm. gone up. Right. And on top of that, what I'm hearing is there are some people, not a lot, but some people pulling out of private money lending. And if they're pulling out of private money lending, the liquidity as a flipper it, it has gone down. And if that's happening, then we're going to start hearing about paying more points or maybe a higher interest rate to borrow. So yeah, as a deposits. flipper, yeah. you have to take that into account. So before where you could pay as a flipper, you know, 78% minus repairs or whatever, now it's got to be 74, 75. So as a wholesaler, now, when you're used to getting what, uh, you know, if you're tying it up for 70 and selling for 75, now you got to say, well, maybe I got to tie it up at 65 in order to make this work. So this is like you were saying, you know, the, because we don't know what's going to happen on the retail side, the flipper is going to have to be more cautious, or at least their, their margins, which are already thin because of those wholesalers, is going to get thinner if they don't modify or adjust. 
And because of that, we as wholesalers have to actively start buying it deeper if we want to still be in business as a wholesaler in, 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 in the near future. I, I uh, completely agree. I, I had a, uh, our weekly huddle this morning and we were talking about tightening up our buy box. Let's, let's adjust our buy box, especially in neighborhoods, because, and, and Roddy and I were talking about this on a podcast earlier this week, I chain is going to get affected the fix and flippers and a lot of the rehabbers and so you know we had a i had a coaching call yesterday with someone who was going to get in a deal it was probably going to take them three to six months extremely anxious into getting into long-term projects in this climate unless you have somebody like roddy on your side that can kind of guide you through that but you know guys we're in a business you all know this we're in a business that can erase a lot of mistakes and we can still make money we're probably heading into a time now where that's not going to be the case, where this is going to separate business owners and entrepreneurs from like people that are going to seminars and, and, and learning how to do this and they can still make money. But, uh, but again, we're, we may not have the favor of the market on our side. You're going to have to know what you're doing and you should probably tighten up your buy box. And if you're going to get into rehabs, again, I'll defer to Roddy, um, make sure a, you know what you're doing and make sure it's not a project that can get extended. I mean, I think is a really good strategy now. Um, I wouldn't get fearful of moving forward and, and acquiring properties, but consider tightening up your buy box. You know, to piggyback off that, the reality is, guys, the people that are on this panel, the people that are listening, they want to hear positivity, right? We, we all have no answers. That's a fact. And everybody who knows me knows I get to the point. Reality is we're all entrepreneurs at the end of the day. Ingenuity and creativity is going to get us all through it when it's all said and done. Remember, go back to the very first day you started whatever you did in this business. Because that's your skill set. Whatever it was, whether you started off as a wholesaler and became this massive 300-a-year producer kind of thing, whatever, go back to that. Because you can always fall back on that, right? I might go back to contracting. Why? Because it's there for me. It's on the shelf anytime I need it. But the truth is, it is a fact. Plan for it. There's no speculation here. Plan for it. If, yeah, it, if, if you look at your liquidity and you have only four months of it, then plan for that, right? If you look at it, if you have two years, God bless you. Plan for that. Which seriously means, look at your business model. If you unfortunately have to let people go, then that's what you have to do, right? It's a fact. So I would actually start thinking, like I'm doing, I'm listening to all this great information. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, because it's taking me back to the day when I first started doing this. And I thought to myself, how can I get out of doing this? And now I'm going to go back. That's the irony of life, right? That's what you do. But I'm fully prepared to go be that GC again. Do I want to? Hell no. <laughs> but I have to probably, right? And it's okay because I have a skill set that God blessed me with, right? The idea of what you started with, I think, is going to help every single person here. Um, oh, rates are changing. Things are changing. Again, plan for it, man. You're right. I'm like I'm the voice of reason. Just plan for it. So, Roddy, I, I love that because you're the what you're talking about is going back to the beginning and the basics, and and using those skill sets. I saw a question from Jonathan Mark, and I want to kind of transition to that a little bit because he's asking about. Do any of us plan on acquiring more properties subject to? And I think this has been a hot topic for like the past 12, 18 months where it's like, as soon as there's some kind of crash, recession, correction, whatever you want to call it, it's always been, hey, there's going to be subject to and, and creative financing, right? What is everybody's thoughts about going that creative financing route or taking down property subject to? Is that even something that you're willing to take the risk on right now? I, I, I want to jump in and just say, you know, it, buying right 
right now is is important. So, you know, I think any any deals you're doing as long as you're buying right, if you're in them where you can get in and out of them in a fairly reasonable amount of time, um, if you're buying at a deep enough discount to where there is a dip in the market, you're okay, then I, I'm comfortable with that in my business. You know, I don't want to be, again, the sky is falling. That's not the message I want to get across here. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So change your buying patterns. You know, make sure you're not in long-term projects where you can get caught with your pants down. Um, just take the fact that something could happen seriously. Be real about it. And then run your business smart, not from fear and not from optimism, but smart. And that's that's really the point. So uh, we're still buying. We still, my, my, I still have my core team working. We're still picking up properties. We're still working the wholesale properties. And, you know, we're still moving forward. We're just changing how we're doing business. We're going through and cutting the fat. We're going through and cutting what's not needed. And we're changing how we're operating and preparing to take advantage of whatever happens. Because when this thing shakes out, one way or the other, there's going to be opportunity. It's just when is it going to happen? And we're preparing for that in big ways. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, I agree with everything, you know, that's been said. And, and our team basically we sat down, and this was probably four months ago, uh, decided that we, we felt something was coming, if it's a year from now or whatever that looked like. But we actually leaned out then the way that, I would probably lean out now if I didn't have then. So, I mean, we looked at every subscription that we had. We looked at, you know, every expense. We looked at every person. I think a, a good thing when we're talking about cutting personnel, um, I personally have an issue with uh, letting people sometimes stay a little bit longer than they should. I've gotten much better with that over the years. But this would be a really good time that if you're kind of on the fence or you've been really trying to help this person, you know, through and you've given them all the tools that you can, this would be a really good time to say, hey, you know, with, with everything that's going on and cut ties because it's going to help both of you in the end if they're still not cutting it at this point and you know you kind of need to let them go. I think that's something that's really important. And about four months ago, we did that. There was a couple people that, you know, I kept trying to, you know, bring up to the level they needed to be and we had to let them go. And I'm so thankful that we did now uh, or then because I would have now anyhow um, because we definitely did all of that leaning out then to prepare for what could come, even though it could have been a long way away. So fortunately, our company was already um, set for what's going on right now. Um, I've got uh, a new development that may or may not, you know, go down as quickly as I was thinking, but um, I definitely wanted to lean out just so we could be very profitable. And I think something that's really, really important, uh, one of you guys mentioned it earlier, was that profit first. I think Steve may have been the one that mentioned that. But we implemented profit first in our business about six months ago as well. I mean, the bank accounts, everything. And it has been a game changer for us to be able to implement that profit first. Um, so I, I'm kind of on the same page with all of you and, and what you're saying. But I do want to bring up, because uh, I think we're all very positive about this. And, and I agree with that. And I love the, you know, uh, plan for the worst. And let's let's expect the best. Um, but a couple things that I've seen some people talk about um, number one, which leads me to this morning, I posted like one through five, where are you at on the scale as far as are you staying inside? Are you cooped up? Are you not going anywhere? There was so many four and fives on my Facebook posts of people that were not leaving their house, people that were not. So when we're talking about the herd, like I think a lot of the herd is actually quarantining themselves. They're not leaving the house, like things that you know, I, I am doing, I mean, I'm at the office today and I actually normally work from home, but I'm getting out because everybody's in my home. <laughs> so I wanted to, to have some, some self time. But I think that 
as a whole, there's a lot of people that are not leaving their house that are just going to the grocery store that are working from home. So I do believe that's definitely going to lend to how many people are going to go looking for properties on Saturday. You know, uh, my husband was at the gym last night, which closed down uh, today and did a video and he got like 15 messages. He got so much slack about you're being irresponsible and you should be in your house. And so, I mean, that's kind of the herd thinking, you know, because that, I mean, why, why would he get a message about that at the gym? Everybody's choosing to be at the gym, you know, it wasn't like he's causing. So I guess I kind of look at it that way. Um, and so I want to know what your thoughts are, because there are some people that are in markets that are quarantined right now. I mean, we've got California, uh, New York, and it, it's rumored that maybe in the next week or so, the government might say everybody's quarantined, you know, stay in your home. Uh, for a couple weeks. What if that turns out to be three or four? What does that look like for us and our businesses if there is a quarantine, which is affecting some people right now? And also, there is states that are saying, um, you know, about the rent, you, you can't evict your tenants for the next two months. So although it may not be happening in Dallas or Phoenix or some of our markets, since we do have, you know, everybody on this call from different states that are affected in different ways, I'd love to hear what y'all have to say about as first as a landlord and you're not getting the money from your tenants, but yet you're still having to make that mortgage payment. And also if a quarantine happens and we really are legit, like, supposed to be in our houses every day like what does that look like what do you what do y'all think some advice we can give to anybody in that scenario or when it may come there's yeah, a so few I, subjects I, you want over there oh. and i think this ties in with what rj asked about what everyone's doing with the subject twos i'm hesitant to jump into any new rentals in fact i just backed out of a contract this morning and wholesaled it for a few thousand dollars that i was going to buy and hold as a rental because of what's potentially going to happen with First of all, tenants might not be able to pay rent. Second right. of all, if they if they put in a non-foreclosure, non-eviction rule, that's a huge deal. I mean, that's just a huge deal. They you know, the they other already, subject- They already I, have for Fannie Mae properties. I just want to chime in there, go ahead. And Ann just said that Vegas is on full lockdown and evictions are halted. So, I mean, the evictions are being halted left and right in different uh, cities and counties right now. I'm not, I'd go under contract to buy a rental with like a 60 to 90 day close, something like that, that gives Options. me some time to, which, which you, you could, know. Ryan, what you could have like kind of like a clause in there regarding this Corona, like un, unknowns. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, maybe I, I, wanna, I, I, at least I have the chance to like back out if I need to in, you know, two months yeah. and maybe extend those calls of escrows as well. Correct. Yeah, that's a, smart move for you. Uh, so like from my perspective, I, I have like 15 rentals actually, and I have a couple of Airbnbs and obviously my Airbnb is like got canceled within like three days, like for the next three months, yep. which is obviously going to impact the bottom line for those Airbnbs. But I mean, what I'm doing for them is I'm just, uh, I'm discounting them. Uh, you know, I've discounted 40% uh, for the next like month, just so I can potentially get some bookings. I don't know if I will or not, but again, that's just part of, um, I am going to for sure take a big hit in those Airbnbs. As far as my rentals, um, I had two months ago, I needed to send and I just didn't get around to it, send a, a rent increase to one of my tenants. She calls me yesterday. She's like, hey, I lost my job. Uh, I worked at a restaurant. The restaurant closed down. I didn't actually lose my job, but the restaurant closed down for the unforeseen obvious future. And, you know, obviously I can't raise the rent on her right this second. So I'm going to have to put that on pause for the next, you know, two, three, four, five, six months, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's. Um, I want to add. Go ahead. Uh, as far as the, the the creative finance thing, so that has not been our strength, and so one of the things that uh, I, I brought this up in a call yesterday, you know, Gary Keller, who owns Keller Williams, he he wrote a book called Shift, 
And basic, the basic premise of shift is when things get kind of weird, things kind of get difficult or challenging, that's the time to increase your market share. Or you increase your market share, and when things get back to normal, you keep your market share. And so right now, I don't think it's a time to add necessarily new tools. Now, I could be wrong. I should qualify that. I've been wrong many times in my life. Uh, but I don't think now's the time to add creative financing uh, to your tool belt. I think you should double it down what you're good at. So if you're able to close deals, you're able to lock up contracts, go lock up twice as many contracts. Um, I don't think now, now it's time for, at least for, not for us, um, to, to um, you know, get distracted with, with some other um, strategies. I know that like, we got uh, Adam Johnson and uh, Brett Marino, they're crushing it with creative financing. I know Pace is crushing it with creative financing and maybe that's something I'll look at down the road. But as of this exact moment, we're not trying to add anything. And then to, uh, to your other question, Jamie, about, you know, what happens if you have a nationwide quarantine? I think we're screwed. I mean, I don't want to sound overly negative, but if we put the economy to screeching halt, I mean, this can take some momentum to get it back started. There's a reason why we're talking about, um, you know, sending checks to, to, to all Americans and we're talking about, you know, forgiving um, mortgages for a short period of time. We're talking about, you know, not evicting. So, but if we get to a point where people aren't allowed to work, I mean, our economy, or our economy is based off money. And one of the things that uh, we're talking about, you know, impact on the economy, the velocity of money is really important, right? Like watching the same dollar go to everyone's bank account and come back is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And if we, if everyone, if we have nationwide quarantine and that money stops moving, everybody, I mean, I don't want to sound overly negative. I think everybody's screwed if we have a nationwide quarantine where people aren't allowed to work. See, that's already happening in nations around yeah. the world. That's already happening in many states right now in the United States. In my, my city, my team is not allowed to be in my office right now. So do I keep paying them? I got a few that'll work from home, you know, but there's a few that become suddenly, you know, non-essentials. So, you know, that's, we don't know how this is going to shake out. And the point, the point I want to make is, is right now there's a rush get through that rush and then bunker down and get ready for the opportunity. But when that opportunity is going to happen, who knows? And there is going to be like the Vegas casinos being closed alone. How many billions of dollars are not being pumped in the economy right now? So, I mean, right now, not just, you know, and, and as other States start to follow suit, you know, it's going, there's going to be a huge impact that we just need to be ready for There's going to be opportunity. I'm, I'm, I hate to say it out loud. I'm kind of excited about the opportunity because I thought I was never going to have it again. I thought I missed it in 2008. I don't want to sound insensitive when I say that. That's my optimist. But right now, I'm bunkering down and getting ready for the worst so I can take advantage of it. And that's, that's where my head's at. That's where I hope everybody else's head is at in this game because there's going to be opportunity. If you die on the vine right now, you're going to miss out and you're going to be huddled in a ball in fear like I was in 2009, not getting back into the market. And that's the last thing I want for people. So, a, th a thousand per do and the vine um we were i was talking i think roddy we were talking about this on monday right um continue keep it moving forward right keep it moving forward and you know jamie you ask about what happens if we're all quarantined number one you know and i know this doesn't apply to the panel sitting out there now is not the time to kick back and watch the newest season of ozark on netflix you know <laughs> like keep it going keep it moving forward if anything now's the time to tighten up your kpis processes, your systems, your QuickBooks, all that type of stuff that sometimes kind of falls by the wayside. Um, I know I've been guilty of it at times. Now's the time to shore that up. And then for us in my business, you know, we've always been direct to seller and direct to seller. We like to meet face to face. 
And to a certain degree, I, I'll, I'll even admit it, and I'll call myself out that to a certain degree, I've had a little bit of a limiting belief about doing a lot of deals on the phone. I know several people that do it, um, and it's been challenging here in Miami in our market to just go on the phone. I know it's possible. Now this is forcing us to really sharpen that ax. Now it's forcing us to get even better on the phone because we're probably not going to be going out and meeting with sellers. Um, so I actually see it as a huge opportunity in a good way. And it's an opportunity to help people first and foremost. And when you lead with that, the money's going to follow. You know? First of all, Alex, the new season of Ozark doesn't come out for another eight days. I got excited <laughs> when I saw that. I was like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, even Ozark. I don't even know what Ozark is. Uh, I was Googling it. But careful. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to go back to Steve. I couldn't agree more to your point, and And, and I just kind of want to hammer that home a little bit more. In the fact that now is not the time to try to acquire a new skill. Um, and this is the conversation that Cassie and I have pretty much for the past two weeks, which is what do we feel like we're the best at? Like, what is our best skill set? What can we do to survive? There's going to be things that we have zero control over that's going to happen. So I can't worry about that. I mean, that's just, we're going to be told that. If I'm told I can't leave my house or I can't buy a house, I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. We can sit here and talk till we're blue in the face on a Zoom call, and it doesn't matter. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. But I can decide that, hey, I'm not that good at flipping houses, and I'm not that good of a landlord. But I'm, I'm good at wholesaling, and maybe we're really good at wholesaling subject twos. Maybe these are things with newer builds. These are – go back into the history of our past two, three, four years and see – where were the situations that we performed the best? And what are those one or two items that we're gonna do moving forward on a regular basis and solely focus on that? Get laser focused on our niche that, I mean, there's several podcast hosts here. I think all of us can agree that we're blessed to be able to interview some of the best investors across the country, right? The one thing that I know is when I talk to people that are killing it, it's because they say, I do this one thing I'm laser focused on it and I don't pay attention to anything else. I don't care what shiny object comes in my way. And so that's what we're doing right now is just getting laser focused on what we're really good at and what our skill set is and ignoring all of the other noise out there and whatever comes our way that's un an unforeseen circumstance, we're just going to have to roll those punches and deal with it. So that's kind of my two cents. I appreciate it. I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. You know, you said, what are you good at? For us, for me, in our company, it's quality control. We're just, we're crazy when it comes to the details of quality control, everything. Uh, two and three and four and five times over. And that's, a, that, again, that's, a, that's a, a learned trait, if you will, that you practice over and over again. But for us, that's how I look at the business now. I mean, I, I got a wall. That's why I keep looking at it. I just fill it with notes every day as I study the market, as I study construction, as I study rehabbing and rehabbers and all these things. And I'm just taking notes and I just keep looking at them and seeing what's happening. I check that off and I'm looking at what's not happening, which means it might happen. So I'm just, it's just one of those things where that's the quality control and the mindset that, that goes into looking at, you know, everybody's talking about getting lean. Of course, 100% across the board, no matter what you do for a living, get lean right now. But you're looking at other things like I've got notes on my board about value engineering everything, which means mitigating all your costs all across the board. We talk about that in business, but even on the rehab side, right? There's, you know, I see, I'm watching a lot of the comments on the side here. It's kind of hard not to. Um, and I see some people talking about rehab, which is cool. And, and the reality is, you know, a, another risk analysis to looking at some of your current rehabs that are open right now that might be larger than others is to figure out how far can you take your rehab and sell it at that point, right? When can you leave? When can you exit? Is it after inspections? 
Is it after drywalls up? I don't know. But those are options. You know, we've done that notoriously in Chicago where we would take a product that's extremely large. And I'm talking four or five years ago, we'd have uh, $300,000 rehabs. You know, I'm talking about construction. And we'd take it to a certain point because maybe the client would run on money, wasn't funded correctly, whatever. And at the end of the day, I'd say, listen, take it to drywall. It's marketable. Do exactly what custom home builders do. Get a tripod, put the layout and the blueprint out, showcase what it could be, and let the, the homeowner, let, let the buyer decide how they want to finish it. You know, there's different ways to look at the rut you might be in. Um, and, and, and that's about knowing how that process of quality control would work for you. Did you prepare for it so you could dump it if you need to? And that's an option. Dump the shit out of it, man. You got to get, out of, you gotta get out of it. I want to make a suggestion on, or, or share maybe what I'm doing. I, I do some higher end properties, which have a huge risk in our market, as you guys can imagine with what's going on. So what we've done is, unfortunately, we have two that are like just completely demoed, which you can't, it's harder to sell a house when it's completely demoed, right? So we're listing them at a motivated price and saying people can pick their own finishes and come in and buy the house and pick their own finishes. Now to do that, they're going to have to put a big down payment down, which will help fund my construction. So I'm getting creative on how to sell these houses because my other option, I mean, both these houses, I got $400,000 of construction costs to finish these houses. I don't want to take that 400,000 right now and put it into these houses and not know if I'm going to get it back or not. So I'm, I'm marketing them in that way. And it, it's a creative way that hopefully helps somebody on this call that's in the same position that I'm in. I think it will. I think getting creative as to what, how far you take your current rehabs to try to keep that liquidity back. I mean, that's, that's exactly something that we did before anyway. And now more than ever, this could be a very beneficial help to a lot of these people that are watching. I agree. Hey, Evo, hey. I want to ask you a question yeah. and it might be a bit intrusive question, but hopefully you'll share with us. Have you seen a drop off this week and people buying data? Uh, so Monday we did not. Tuesday, uh, it was probably about 80% of the average. Wednesday, yesterday was roughly about, I want to say 70 or 80% of the average again. Uh, today, uh, let me tell you right now. So I think we're, um, I think we're on track to pretty much hit our average for the day. So I have, we have not as of right now seen any kind of a drop off. Um, People are getting obviously like like our software side, and I think like Ryan said, you know, our, that's where softwares are really going to shine as far as like being able to be more efficient. I mean, even like bigger software like you know Zoom we're on right now. I mean, I think Zoom had like you know 400, 500 percent increase in usage uh, just this week. So so um, a lot of these systems are going to come in place, and again, being more efficient. Yeah, you're you're going to have to eliminate a lot of systems and things like that, but. Uh, just the consensus and even with our with this call and then our uh, call on uh, Tuesday that we had with uh, Sean Terry was on the call and a couple of the other people like Steve was on the call and people like a lot of the investors uh, are not stopping their marketing. And so one of the biggest mistakes I'll tell you that we made personally in our company, uh, some of you guys know like me and Jesse uh, and Annie like merged companies last year around uh, May 1st. and about 20, 25 days before we actually merged, we stopped our marketing with the anticipation that we're gonna actually uh, merge and obviously we had a new CRM. So there was a lot of things in play. So that was like the biggest mistake that we made because then for, for about a month and a half uh, afterwards, we did not get a single deal just because we stopped our marketing. So the biggest like, thing that I would say to people is like, you can get efficient, you can maybe eliminate a marketing channel or two, maybe stop SEO or just figure out. And then I think Alex was saying about KPIs and just knowing your numbers figure out where your um, money is being spent and eliminate the most expensive channels, but don't stop it completely. Like that's gonna be the biggest mistake that I think that anybody would 
make if they stop the market just because they're uh, marketing just because they're panic panicking right now you could also go to the mls like the mls pretty soon here if everything stops gonna be a really good place to buy right. for free yeah mls i mean again being creative like just thinking outside of the box um is gonna really come in handy with a lot of these things and you know i think uh, don was saying even laying people off i think people need to be uh conscious at least because what if this thing you know we're hoping that it lasts let's say two months or four months what if it lasts a year or 18 months or whatever with the article i just read so what are you going to do as a business owner? What are these, these decisions you're going to have to plan for? Uh, so Jamil was actually in our office yesterday and we were just talking of, hey, we just don't know what we don't know. So, you know, we know our bottom line. So let's say we have to be, uh, I mean, for our company, it's a way much higher number, but let's say it's like $30,000 we have to break even every month or to sell to break even every month. Then what, what happens if I cross that line and I'm under like $30,000? Uh, so what, what are the decisions I'm going to have to make? Maybe I'm going to obviously like, um, stop bonuses. Maybe I'm going to decrease salaries, uh, you know, month two, and then maybe I'm going to start like laying off some people in month three, four, five that are, you know, my least performers. So then I, as a business owner, I have to put a plan in place as well. Uh, with, that's what we we're talking with Jesse and Annie, like, Hey, what if this thing drags out to like a whole year? Because obviously like in our company, we have a lot of, um, new construction projects, which, you know, I think we're going to be okay because we're not, nothing's hitting the market within the next year. So, you know, with the whole thing and then obviously election season, uh, end of the year, I think that by the time our products hit the market, uh, we'll be okay. But again, even the, the manufactured houses that we have with, you know, Pace Morby, um, I mean, they're about to hit the market. So I just don't know what I don't know with, as far as how that's going to be impacted. Um, but it's interesting about letting people go, Evo. My fear is, is if you let them go, they may not come back. Correct. And, and that's, that's why that you really got to consider that. Correct. And that's why I think, but at, at the end of the day, like what happens if I don't have the funds to back up my, you know, to, let's say to, to back the company up and float it for two, three, four, five months, you know, like, then you may not come back. <laughs> you may not come back. I mean, your family is going to be affected. So I have to make a tough, you know, the, the tough decisions and at least prepare for it. That's all I'm saying. I didn't, I didn't make the hard decisions last time. You know, there's a term that a good friend of mine uses a lot. And he says, if you don't take care of yourself first, you have nothing to take care of anybody else with, right? Oxygen mask. Yeah. 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 Put your oxygen mask on first. And that's why, you know, I kept people on longer than I should have. I didn't have a plan last time around. This time around is I just have a plan on, okay, who goes when, right? And so my business isn't going to stop operating. That's not what I'm saying. Like we're still marketing, maybe not the capacity we were. We are going down to our core competencies, which is the smartest advice that you can possibly get is go to your smart board. And we talked about that several times in the call, go to your core competencies, you know, but I'm also looking at like, who's essential for my team to run and who's not, who could I live without? Like if I never got them back, who could I live without? Well, that's the first one to go. Right. So you got that plan in place. You hope you never have to pull that trigger, right. but you got to be ready and you got to have a plan to pull that trigger so you can make the decision from a position of fact and power and not fear and weakness. And that's really the whole point that I'm trying to get across is just have those plans in place, prepare for it. Because if we're not, if we pay everybody and this thing lasts, like right now our schools are closed in California and they're talking about keeping them closed through the summer. And maybe even like, like they're saying this thing may last, you know, a year, 18 months. If we keep paying these people indefinitely, then suddenly when the opportunity arises for us to, to build the wealth that this opportunity is going to allow us to do, we're not going to be able to take advantage of it. And how are we serving anybody in our family or our circle if we're not able to take advantage of it? So you got to take care of yourself first. Put your oxygen mask first on first, like Alex said. And I, I do want to 
I want to address that for sure. Um, we plan on continuing these calls. I don't know if it's going to be weekly or bi-weekly. We, of course, would love to have the same panelists on. Some are not going to be able to have, you know, the time or the opportunity. So we'll bring in different people if that's the case. But I think right now we're in the very beginning of it. So right now we're not seeing a lot of the, the aftermath or the backlash of it. I mean, I think we could all agree uh, on that. Uh, Dallas County schools are shut down for the rest of the year so we're just now seeing you know every day something new is coming up mm -hmm. and I think that this is going to evolve just like everything does our marketing channels evolve we have to pivot and I think as leaders we have to stay together in community and talk about this um, because none of us want to see any of our businesses fail or our family suffer or our team suffer so we, we all want to keep everyone if we can but reality is we are going to have to make some you know gut check moments and i think that if we stay in communication we can kind of you know um move through those waters together and and understand what everybody else is doing i i, I will never forget when i first started this business i i always put myself in those shoes now i mean i always have and i think that something that's important is everyone on this call has different skill sets right some people have liquidity and some don't some are living still week to week i mean you have to imagine there's got to be a few people on the call that just quit their job 30 days ago to jump in hard and give everything they have to this mm -hmm. so someone like them no they're not liquid but there is uh people on this call that are buying flips right now that are you know, buying deals for rentals that are amazing at selling deals. So I think it's really important to have some kind of group that you're a part of. I know the real estate mass, uh, um, like meetups are not meeting in your local community right now more than likely, but I know there's Facebook groups and things like that. So I think it's good for us to stay like on a nationwide level like we are right now and talk about it. But it's also important for you to, you know, get close with some of the people in your community that, have been doing this a while that have you know some liquidity or have the buyers because right now if you're amazing at grinding and cold calling for eight hours and getting deals but you have no liquidity and you don't really have a lot of buyers don't think that this is end all be all for you there is someone in your market that is buying or that can find buyers so i think it's really really important to put that message out there because i know we're all in different phases of this business and our finances all look different and we can hold out and some people can hold out a week some people can hold out 10 years so i want to make sure to talk to those people that are thinking crap like i don't have that kind of money in the bank don't think that it's over for you like at all it's not there's so many opportunities you just need to make sure that you're in these facebook groups if you're not sure you can reach out and dm uh, one of us or just somebody that's in your group because i promise everybody's skill sets can be used but we're going to have to kind of come together on this right now so we can all stay afloat Agreed. That, 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 that's perfect advice and steve i just want to mention something actually steve, more of a question for you uh, what are you seeing with, and maybe Ryan as well for you, what are you seeing as far as like Open Door and like some of the bigger like uh, companies, uh, the hedge funds doing that right now? I mean, I think it was, I don't know if it was Jared that mentioned it on Tuesday that uh, they canceled six of his contracts or it was somebody else's contracts. Have you, do, do you know anything that was happened the past couple of days or? Yeah, Open Doors suspended all offers nationally. The hedge, I, fund, hedge funds are backing out of deals here in California as well. We've had a couple yeah. of them. Yeah. All of them did. Zillow, Truly, or Redfin, Open Door, Perch, all of them did. And there's quite a few wholesalers that that was their main outlet of buying properties, which is another reason why I'm saying, you know, reach out to people locally, you know, to 
help help fill a void that may be there right now. So that brings up a lot of opportunity, obviously, for a lot of wholesalers to be able to like pick up those properties and uh, maybe buy, buy them deeper than they usually would. I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. That might maybe trying to turn PPC back on. You know, I mean, to actually, uh, you know, I don't know how we could do it, but either through text message, ringless voicemail, or something like that. You know, I mean, that could be something like, hey, did you just have a drop contract? You know, I mean, just get creative. Like to Roddy's point earlier, you know, just going back to your original skill set when you first got started. And I remember when when Cassie and I first got started, I was a lot more um, creative with our marketing because I didn't know any of y'all. Like there was no, I didn't know anybody in this industry, so no one taught me what to do. So I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and I was like, hey, I think this is a great idea. Like I remember, you know, putting YouTube videos that were funny on our marketing for wholesale properties and it would get a ton of clicks and we would sell properties that way. So maybe that's a good idea is like you're talking about, there's opportunities where, I mean, if just one person we know lost six contracts because open door backed out. Imagine how many homeowners around the country right now are, are freaking out because they thought they had a solution with one of the biggest buyers that promised they were going to buy their house. And then just out of nowhere, it's over. No. Well, RJ, to, to that end, you know, I, I think this is an opportunity now. Right. And so many people out there pound their chest about, I have a, a huge team and I do multiple deals a month, whatever the case might look like. Don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and get in there. Don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves, get in there with your team. If you got to make calls, I mean, it, this is so funny. So we are in the process of literally from like my home office printing out cover pages and one page contracts. And we're sending out hundreds of offers to appointments that we've been on in the last year. And I got my wife like, you know, stuffing the envelope. This takes me back to 2005 because I don't know what my fulfillment center is looking like over the course of the next couple of days. So don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and get in there. And I think when you lead by example, um, your team's going to follow. But that feels good, right? Like you're in there with your team again. I mean, yeah, I love doing that, man. I mean, man, I got, I'm getting guys, I have some old guys that I used to uh, be my subs and they're texting me the past couple of days. When am I going to get back in? When I get back in, I'm laughing going, why do you need work? And they're like, no, but we want to plan around it. So I'm like, all right, man. So like I said, you got to go back to what you know best. When it's all said and done, you got to roll your sleeves up. That's the only way everybody survives. And to be honest, I think we all have had to do that at one point in time. And you find holes, you find processes that are jacked up. You find ways that you could do it differently. And the mom in me has to say this, but I love how Alex said his wife is helping stuff envelopes. Um, you guys on this call, panelists and attendees, probably have a lot of kids at home. Kids know how to stuff envelopes. They know how to do a lot of things that we could do like that. And that's a great time to let them be a part of your business and let them see in, in time of need, everyone coming together and stuff like that. So I can't help but say that the mom and me had to like throw that out there. But when I first started, I took my daughter to all my rehabs, you know, she would help me clean and sweep and do things like that. And she actually really enjoyed it. And there's so many life lessons that can be learned right now for us jumping back in and kiddos watching that and letting them be in participation with it as well. That's Jamie, I love idea, that. We're, we're going on almost an hour and a half now. Um, if, if we get really good feedback from this call and it makes sense to do it next week, and, and I think everyone on this panel only wants to do this if it's helping people. Right. right? I mean, we're all coming from different businesses. Don and Alex and I, we compete in masterminds, and, but we're coming together to get this done for everybody. 
So if this is really providing the value, you know, maybe we do this next week. And I think a really good topic that we probably don't have the time to dive into right now for the next hour is how are we each changing our marketing and what are we doing? Yeah. And I think that'd be a really interesting topic to dive into that maybe we could do next week. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I think we'll have a lot more insight onto what next week looks like because I think the next three or four days is going to be quite a bit unfold. And my whole week opened up. Every event I was supposed to go to canceled, <laughs> so I'm good. Um, I just want to add a positive to this. For those of you who are brand new watching this, like we're talking in terms of people who have businesses already and teams and the things we're going to do. For people who are brand new, like some of the most successful people I know in the business right now started in 2008 and 2009. Like this is, this is not a time for you to grow up and be scared. This is a time for you to start looking for the opportunity. If you're lean, you don't have a team. This is when you get creative. This is when you take action. This is when you're going to see an opportunity to clean house. And I, that's the positive side of this. I think, you know, from the negative that's happening again, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from the fact that this is, this sucks, but the positive side for those of you who are brand new without a team, like this is going to be the greatest opportunity. And then you have access these kind of calls we didn't have in 2008 and 2009 you know that when we get through this you're going to have such an opportunity that you haven't we haven't had in years and that's something to, to the uh, silver lining i guess in the cloud so well, it sounds like we're uh, yeah. all, just wanted to say jamie that was a great idea you had about the kids but at next level flipping we do not condone child labor so <laughs> no one report us okay um but, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay her. It'll just be a like I'll pay you later kind of thing. Right, Jamie. You, you want to know what though? You bring up such an interesting point. Our, our kids, for those of us that have kids, our kids are watching us, whether we know it or not. They're watching. And in times like this, like they're gonna model our behavior. They're gonna model our mindset. And if anything, this is a blessing. guys. I spend more time with my kids at home. You know, we get to potentially have them stuff envelopes. I mean, who knows? So like. Take the orange and squeeze the juice out of it. Make turn lemon into lemonade, whatever, whatever that saying is. But uh, this is a blessing in disguise. It, it's a little scary, but we'll get through it. And I think, like Don said, you know, always look at the positive. Look at. I, I think I put something on Instagram a couple of days ago. You know, the uh, I read a quote: "The storm. What is it? The darker the storm, the brighter the rainbow." You know, so we'll, we'll get through this. This is just a season. Well, I'll leave you guys with one last funny thought about family because it's hilarious. When I was uh, contracting, I brought my grandmother out one time. She wanted to see what I did. So we flip houses. She's like, okay. So I brought my grandmother out. We had just paid about 2500 in landscaping, beautiful flowers. Everything was perfect. Long story short, I had to go in and talk to the subs. I'm looking for my grandma. I'm like, where'd she go? Where'd she go? She must be in the truck, right? I come back outside. She had handpicked every flower that we had paid for and planted and She made a bouquet. She goes, these are, I'm going to take these home. I said, Grandma, I said, you, you said, you can't touch that. I go, I go, we just planted those. This house is going to go for sale. And she goes, you know what she did? She looked at me and goes, I don't care. And she got in the truck and she was wrapping it with a rubber band. So when it comes to putting family to work, I got to pump the brakes a little bit on that. Well, um, I, we're going to wrap up, but I just wanted to say thanks again. Um, Evo, Steve, uh, Ryan, um, RJ, other Ryan, um, Alex, who to miss? Somebody, I'm sure, Dawn. Um, Alex, yeah, thank you all so much for being on this call. And I did see a lot of questions about how will we know about the next call or whatever. When you guys registered, we got your email. So we'll make sure and communicate with you, um, you know, when the next call will be, how often we're going to have them, everything like that. And we're going to post it all over social as well. So we'll make sure to keep you informed. And I did just, again, want to say thank you so much to the panelists. We're all going through the same thing right now. And for you to spend an hour and a half of your time with us to help others and give value is just 
um, it, it's awesome. It just says a lot about who you are as people. So I thank you very much.